name's David, and I serve as a senior pastor here. Welcome to those who are here in the well and those upstairs in the well cafe, especially if you're a first-time guest with us today. You just heard about the 40-Day Challenge, which starts in two weeks for us. That's the series that will carry us uh, through our Easter celebration. The second super series is what we're calling them, an opportunity for you to not only hear a message on the weekend, uh, but for, uh, for you to take that a step deeper into your small groups. We hope that everyone is a part of some sort of life-changing community, whether that's a small group, a, a group of friends who might meet for coffee, breakfast, or lunch, a Sunday school class. There's lots of different ways that you can do that, but we believe that is a life-changing uh, thing to invest in that. And so we have invested in this resource that we've put together for you, a workbook that will carry you through those six weeks, as well as the video teaching that kind of sets up each and every one of those sessions. And so what I want to invite you to do today, if you have your bulletin, pull that out for me real quick. I want to point out a few things to you. First, there's a place for you to register your attendance. And on the back of that, there's a couple different ways that you can respond to the invitation to be a part of the 40-Day Challenge. The first way is to possibly be a host of our brand new small group. We have started since uh, September when we did our first super series, we have started 110 new small groups in our church. 30 of them will be brand new starting with, uh, uh, with the 40-day challenge. We're hoping to start 60 total. So if you want to be a host, we would love for you to think about doing that. Uh, a host is simply someone who has friends and invites them together uh, to gather and to grow in your faith. This uh, insert that you got in your bulletin is an exercise for you. If you're thinking about being a host, this is just a, a tool for you to think about, well, who might I invite to be a part of that small group? Who are the uh, people in our neighborhood, uh, uh, families that you may connect with through sports, uh, teams for your kids or school, uh, your family, your friends, your people at work, for you to just kind of think about who are the people that I could gather together uh, and grow. And it really is as simple as that. The, the workbook, excuse me, the workbook and the video teachings uh, do all the heavy lifting for that. So if you're interested in that, please check that box. And uh, Pastor Sharon, who leads our discipleship ministry, will be in touch with you. If you'd like to connect with a group that's already established, uh, there's a box there that you can check and we'll help you uh, get connected. And the last thing I want to mention is for those of you who are already in a group, uh, you're thinking, I'm set to go. We, our group met in September. We're ready to go with the 40-day challenge. I want you to think about somebody to invite to your group. Um, or maybe, even if you're a part of a group, maybe you might host a new group. Uh, it's one of the ways that we multiply uh, the impact of this series. So I really want you to pick up one of these workbooks. You can get those outside uh, for 10 bucks, And then to think about connecting with a small group for this series that begins uh, the weekend of February 14th. Today, we're going to finish the Fuel series. And if you're brand new, here's what we've been talking about. That when a new year rolls around, we usually spend a lot of time thinking about where we want to go. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about how we want to get there. Uh, and so we're talking about the fuel, those things that fuel transformation in our life. I don't know where you want to go in your life. I don't know what your goals are for this year, but I know that we all need fuel, and that's what we have been talking about in the course of this series. So I want to begin today with a question. And by the way, on the back of your bulletin, I want to mention this. There's a place if you want to take some notes today. I'm going to invite you to write some things down in just a moment. You can also find in your Bible Deuteronomy chapter 8. We'll be there uh, in just a moment. But here's the question. How many of you would describe yourselves as forgetful? Anybody out there, anybody upstairs, uh, you describe yourselves as forgetful? I'm a fairly forgetful person. I leave things all over the place. I can't find my keys. I got home last night after preaching a message about being forgetful, and I said, where are my keys? I can't find my keys. Um, I have an Apple Watch, which I, let me just show you what the best thing about my Apple Watch is. When I can't find my phone, I can hit a button, 
My phone's back there. You hear that dinging? Okay. I can ping my phone and I can find it. It's so good for a forgetful person like me. My recurring nightmare is that it's time to preach and I can't find my Bible. I can't find my Bible. Where'd my Bible go? I'm I'm running around trying to find my Bible. I'm a forgetful uh, person. Uh, But here's what I figured out this week. You are too. Uh, I asked you on uh, Facebook, what is the most important thing that you have ever forgotten and These are some great stories. So let me just share a couple of these with you. The first one, my youngest child's kindergarten graduation. Ooh, this is good. A local radio station was giving $100 if they called your birthday and you were the first to call in. They called February 20th and I got excited and had my son call in. I knew I was in trouble when they asked his birthday and he said February 21st. Here's a good one. Uh, this, this couple's upstairs. Uh, what's the most important thing you ever forgot? My wife's last name. <laughs> we had just started dating, and, and we were watching a movie on the couch, and I looked into her beautiful eyes and lovingly asked, what's your last name? <laughs> he writes, not my most insightful moment. Uh, two people mentioned getting to the airport and then realizing that they had left their license at home. Anyone ever been afraid of, of, of doing that? Uh, what's the most important thing you ever forgot? My child. And there were lots of people who listed their child. I mean, you people are leaving your kids all over the place. But here's just one of the stories. Uh, Fortunately, she says she was at church. I thought my husband had picked her up, and he thought I had. We took two cars because we both taught Sunday school at different hours. Ironically, my lesson that week was about Mary and Joseph leaving Jesus at the temple. (laughs) Uh, Someone wrote, I'll never forget the year that I forgot my mom's birthday. I did that when I was 19 years old, like first year away at college. I forgot my mom's birthday. 20 years ago, okay, that's when it happened. My dad still calls me every year on my mom's birthday. Don't forget your mother's birthday. Yes, dad, I know, I know. Um, I decided to go play a round of golf on a day off, of course, forgetting that I was supposed to drive my daughter to the airport. I was reminded when my phone went off on the ninth tee box. Would have liked to seen that cart flying back to the... uh, uh, <laughs> I was a waitress, forgot to give someone's order to the cooks. They sat there for, without food for an hour before saying anything. Needless to say, I didn't get a tip from that table. Uh, this is uh, Teresa Sherwood wrote. Uh, Teresa is the director of our global ministries program. She said, I forgot Susan Luttrell, who directs our local outreach program. Uh, she was sick. They were on a trip. Uh, they stopped at a gas station. She said, I drove off and left her at the gas station in Georgetown. <laughs> Uh, This is from Dylan, who plays keyboard here at the well, and some of you upstairs know him as well. He writes, I went to the Boyd Prison Unit a couple months ago to help out with worship. Our church does worship services there on Friday nights on occasion. He said, I got to the security entrance to get in, and the guard says, you have to wear pants, as he looked at the shorts that I was wearing. He writes, I thought about putting on a prison jumpsuit to get in, but was luckily told that I could go in with shorts after being told sternly by the guards to wear pants next time. Uh, here's one, another kid story. I left my son at Red Lobster when he was eight. It was pouring down rain. I thought he was with my dad. My dad thought he was with me. Turned around in the middle of South Cooper and flew back to Red Lobster. She finishes the story by saying he got ice cream. (laughs) Mom forgot dad at the hospital after she had the nurse bring him down in the wheelchair. She went to get the car and realized about halfway home that she forgot dad. 
one mom writes, I was recently divorced and decided to borrow my brother's van to take my two daughters and about four of their friends from Arlington to South Padre. On the way home, I stopped to get gas. We all got out of the van, got back in and drove off. A few yards away from the gas station, I stopped at a red light and heard knocking on the window. My younger daughter had run to catch us because I had not noticed she was missing. <laughs> okay, here, here's the last one. This is, this is funny. This is uh, most important thing that you ever forgot. On my wedding day. You know it's going to be good when it starts with on my wedding day. Here's what he said. I forgot I might need gasoline in my getaway car. I'm not sure what he meant by getaway car. I mean, there <laughs> could be multiple... <laughs> in 1974, he writes, uh, uh, gas stations couldn't stay open late, so I had to siphon gas at a stranger's house, but they only let me get a gallon from their car. I also ripped my pants, and temperatures were about 20 and windy. So he remembers many details from that day. We are a forgetful people. Can you say amen? We're forgetful people. I mean, here's what's crazy about it. What we often forget are some of the most important things in our life. We leave our kids all over the place. I don't know what's going on, but you're leaving your kids everywhere. Lots of people have left their kids at church. Good place to leave your kids, I guess. But, but we are forgetful people. That's just who we are. And so today we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. And what we're going to look at is how the scriptures speak to this tendency that we have towards forgetfulness. So a couple words about what I'm going to read to you. This is Moses writing at the end of his life to the Israelites. This is him speaking the collected wisdom of his life that he wants them to know and remember after he is gone. So you may not know all of Moses' story. You've probably seen one of the movies which has some sort of accuracy to the biblical story. But Moses was the one who had led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And what you may not know about his story is for the rest of his life, he led the Israelites through the wilderness trying to get to the land of God's promise. It was a very hard task that Moses was given for the rest of his life. It was leading the Israelites through the wilderness, through a, a season of suffering and real struggle. And, and the good thing that was to come, the entrance into the promised land, the better and brighter future that was ahead of them, that was a part of their story that Moses didn't get to live with them. He was passing them off onto other leaders who would carry them into the promised land. And so Moses writes in Deuteronomy uh, th these words of wisdom for the people as they approach the better and brighter days ahead. So I want you to hear this beginning in verse 6. It says, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Now, so far, this sounds great. I mean, they have come from this place of uh, this season, really, of suffering, of, of searching for a better place, a, a land. And, and what Moses says is, it's going to be great. You're going to have everything that you need, all of these resources that we have had to work so hard to find, to nurture our life, they will be in abundance in this land. But listen to the warning that Moses says. But when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Verse 11, be careful 
that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, just so you know, this was written thousands of years ago, okay? This was written long before the invention of many of the modern conveniences that you and I enjoy. This was written before electricity. This was written before the internet. This was written before people had homes that were climate controlled, okay? This was before there were groceries on every corner that had plenty of food to sustain our lives. This is before you could very conveniently on your way to church just stop by Starbucks and wake yourself up with some coffee. In fact, this is going to be really crazy for some of you. This was before the invention of coffee itself. Wow. I mean, this most of the things that you cannot imagine living without, you're, you just can't even wrap your head around that. None of those things were there, okay? This is before any of those things. And yet, Moses offers this warning. He says, you know what? Life is going to be so good. It's going to be so good. You're going to have everything that you have ever wanted. There's going to be food. There's going to be homes. Your livestock is going to increase. And here's the danger, Moses says. Here's what you have to be very, very careful of. Because as you grow in your comfort, the tendency, the danger, is the temptation that you're going to face is to forget where we have come from. You're going to forget all about the wilderness. You're going to forget about the, the, those days that your, your, your belly was empty, that you, were, that you were searching for food. You're going to forget all about where we have come from. You're going to forget about your ancestors who lived in slavery. And you're going to forget that it was God who did all these things on our behalf, who set us free, who led us through the wilderness, who brought us to the land of promise. The danger is that because you're a human being, you're going to forget what God has done on your behalf. Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now that sounds familiar to you, right? When Jesus is asked in the Gospels, what's the greatest commandment? He quotes from Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Why does Jesus do that? Because this was a prayer that Jesus, as a practicing Jew, would have recited every single day. Uh, is known as the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear, the first word of verse 4. So Jesus, as a practice, along with the other Jews living at the time, would have recited this verse over and over again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And here's why they would have done that. Look at verse 6. These commandments that I give to you are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses, on your gates. Why should you do this? Look at verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, verse 12, hear this phrase again, be careful. 
be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We are a forgetful people. And you know what the scriptures teach us? That's how we've always been. We have always been the kind of people who tend to forget some of the most important things about us. And so Moses offers this warning. When you find yourself at that place where you are comfortable and you are satisfied, be very careful that you do not forget what the Lord has done in your life. So, so far we've talked about vision. That was, a, that was week one. We talked about you have to have a clear vision for your life to fuel transformation in your life. We talked about health, uh, our physical health, and how that is one of the things that we often overlook. We don't understand that the way in which we care for our bodies, that is an investment in the dreams that God has for our life. We are, we're making ourselves available for more days for God to use us. We've talked about our relationships. Today we're talking about devotion. And I would encourage you to write down that word, the word devotion. And next to the word devotion, I would encourage you to write this, that devotion is what prevents our forgetfulness. Devotion is what prevents our forgetfulness. Our tendency to forget who we are, where we have come from, and who we belong to is an ongoing danger in our lives. I want you to hear that again. Our tendency to forget who we are, Where we have come from and who we belong to is an ongoing danger in our lives, but devotion is what prevents our forgetfulness. Let me talk about what devotion is. Here's a couple of synonyms for devotion, if you want to write these down. The word faithfulness, fidelity, commitment, allegiance, dedication, loyalty, and love. There's a couple of words that, that may help you as you wrap your head around what that means. But here is, I think, the, the key idea as we think about what devotion is and how it prevents our tendency as human beings towards forgetfulness. That devotion is not something that we feel. Devotion is a commitment that we put into practice. It's not just an emotion. It's not just something that we feel. It's not, it, it's not that feeling of love or, or loyalty. It is rather the way that we commit ourselves to practice love, in particular, the love that we have for God. So if there's a young couple who comes to the altar on their wedding day, and they come with this sense that, that the emotion that has brought them to this place, this feeling of we're going to spend our life together and it's just going to be so wonderful. If they are living with the assumption that that will be enough to carry them to a half century of wedding bliss, well, they're mistaken, right? I mean, you all know that, right? It takes more than that. It's more than just a feeling. It's more than just an emotion. It is a commitment to continually invest yourself in that love. It is a commitment to continually invest yourself in the practice of expressing love one to another. And that's what devotion is. Devotion is our commitment to practice our love for God. That's actually what we're doing right now, being here together, joining together in song and in prayer, opening up the scriptures, listening to them, asking God to speak to us, to direct us in our lives. This is practicing devotion. 
We're learning about God. We're learning about what God, who God says we are. We are doing all of this so that we can deepen in our love for God. When you hopefully wake up in the morning and open up these scriptures and read from them and spend time, whether it's journaling or prayer, whatever it is that is a part of your regular discipline, you are practicing devotion. You are investing yourself in the fuel that often, in my mind, separates us from the realization of God's dreams in our life. The vision is important, yes. Health is important, yes. Relationships are really critical. If you miss that message, I hope you'll go back and listen to it. But I got to tell you, when I look at my own life and when I look at the lives of others, in my mind, the thing that often separates us, that keeps us from that destination that we long to go, it's simply our commitment to live a disciplined life and to be intentional about devotion about practicing our love for God. Listen, listen again to what it says in Deuteronomy. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, all the time. <laughs> Don't forget these commandments, these promises. Tie them as symbols on your heads. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do whatever you have to do to fight this tendency to forget what God has done in your life? Do you know how to build a life of devotion, a life of faithfulness, a life of loyalty and commitment? Here, here's the answer. You do it one moment at a time and one day at a time. Now, isn't that an unsatisfying answer? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't we love it if it was anything but that? Like, is there a magic pill I can take? You know, is there, is there some sort of shortcut? There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. Whether you're talking about a commitment to live in a healthy and life-giving marriage relationship, a healthy and life-giving relationship with someone else, water just dripped from the ceiling. That was odd. If you're talking about a commitment to loving God... I don't know what that means. I'm trying to figure out what that, but Lord, what does that mean? I don't know. Any of those things, it is about an investment in the moment by moment and day by day practice of our love for God. If there's someone in your life, and I hope there is, if there's someone in your life that you look at it and you see who they have become over the course of their life, you look at their character, you look at their integrity, you look at their commitment, you look at their devotion. I guarantee you, if you were to ask them, how did you get there? They would say, I don't know. I just woke up every morning and I committed myself again and again and again and again. I invested in the practice of devotion. If you came here the very first weekend of the, of the year, um, I challenged you with something I called um, my Bible challenge. And my, my hope was that when you heard that, I wanted you to be intimidated. Like I wanted you to think, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. This sounds big. Like David's going to ask us to memorize all the books of the Bible or read the whole Bible in a year. You know, maybe this is some big thing. I wanted you to be intimidated. So after, as I explained it to you, you'd walk away and go, wow, that's actually kind of easy. <laughs> it was two things. The first thing was to bring your Bible to worship every weekend, which of course means that if the Bible is coming to worship every weekend, you would too, okay? You would come with, not just drop your Bible off and put it in the, but that you would, 
you know, you'd be here, right? That you would bring your Bible. Many of you are doing that. I'm so happy to see that happening. That you're bringing your Bible to worship. That was the first thing. That's easy. I mean, you have two hands, right? Like coffee, Bible. You can do it. I know you can, right? So that, that was the first thing. Just bring your Bible. The second thing was to spend the first 15 minutes of your day with God. And I hope that you walked away and you went, well, 15 minutes. I mean, it's not an hour. It's not two hours. He's not asking me to be on my knees for three hours. Just 15 minutes. I mean, it sounds like a Geico commercial. That's all you need, right? Just, just 15 minutes to invest yourself. I, I was hoping that you'd walk out of here and you'd go, well, I can, I can do that. That's not, as, that's not as scary as it sounds. You know that devotion is, that's what devotion is. It, it is, it's those simple steps, but it's the consistency of those steps. It's the discipline that you bring to those steps. And, and that was kind of foreshadowing what I want to announce to you today. So for many years, for about five or six years, I can't remember how long we've been doing this, we have shared a devotional resource with you called GPS, Grow, Pray, Study. How many of you receive that in your email inbox? Lots of you do. We have 1,700 people who do. So I know there's, there's a ton of you who do. Over the years, we've learned a lot about that resource. We've learned about what works in that resource, and we've also learned a couple things about how we felt like we could make it better, how we could make it more targeted towards you, more directed towards you, more helpful for you in your devotional life. And so over the course of time, we've been kind of gathering those thoughts and thinking about how we could launch this to you in a new way, again, a resource that would, would better help you and support you in developing this practice of devotion. And here's one of the things I want you to know about this resource. We do all of all the work of this ourselves. We don't buy this from somewhere else. This is written by one of your pastors directly for you, and it is not something that we get done in about five or ten minutes, okay? It's an investment of our time. It's an investment of time and resources that we could spend doing something else, okay? I'm not telling you that so you'll feel bad for us. I just want you to know we invest in that because we believe in it. We believe in it. I am convinced that if you really want your life to be transformed, it's not going to happen just because you heard me preach a message. It's going to happen because you discipline yourself and you commit yourself to growing in your love for God. And I think this is one of the ways that you do it. You wake up every single day and you give your first 15 minutes of your day to God. And so today, I actually guess tomorrow morning, if, you if you're signed up for GPS, you'll see something brand new in your inbox called the first 15. It's a, new, it's a little bit different format. You'll recognize that as you walk through it. It's, again, more directed to you from one of our pastors written in more of a first-person language, a devotional resource for you to take the first 15 minutes of your day and specifically give it to God. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, I'm not a morning person. I don't care when morning is for you, okay? If it's 7 a.m., wonderful. If it's 1.30 p.m., that's fine. You know, whenever the first 15 minutes are, I just want to encourage you, take that time and specifically give it to God in a way that says to God, God, you're first, you're first. You're first in my heart. You're first in my mind. You're going to be first in this day because I'm going to give you the first fruits of my day. And I hope, again, I hope you'll walk out of here today, and I hope you think, well, 15 minutes, I mean, I guess, I guess I can do that. That's not too hard. It really isn't that hard. But it is a powerful practice when it becomes consistent in your life. And every single day, you come back to that place where you say, God, you get what's first. You get what's first. 
Not what I have to get done this, this day. Not what I'm worried about that happened yesterday. Not my anxiety about what might happen in the, in the day ahead or the week ahead. But I want to give you first, uh, the first fruits of my life because I want you to be first in my life. If you're not already a part of this, you can check that box on your registration card. We'll get you signed up. If you're signed up for GPS, it's, you're ready to go. If you look at the bottom of uh, your message page, if you want to share this resource with others, you can certainly do that via the email, but you can also go to dailyfirst15.org. That's our new website. And every single day when you go to that website, you'll see the, the reflection for that day. You'll see the scripture for that day. So if you just want to use the, the website, uh, you, can, you can do it uh, that way. But I want to encourage you to do this. This is the final component of fuel. You need vision. You need vision. You need health. You need relationships, you need devotion. And devotion is often the one thing that separates us from the realization of God's dreams. If you have, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write down Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I'm going to read to you Psalm 103 in just a moment. And I want to give you another takeaway for today. Again, I hope, I hope the main takeaway is that you'll join us in this practice of giving the first 15 minutes of your life to God. But, uh, but the second thing I want to invite you to do is I was thinking about, you know, what do, what do people want to, what do I want them to walk out of here with? I, I want you to walk out of here with an invitation to remember what God has done in your life. You know, it, maybe there's something that has happened in your life, uh, how God has been present through a difficult challenge in your life or a struggle. And during that season of your life, it was really meaningful to you. It was really important for you. But life's gone on, you know? I mean, other things have happened, and maybe that has faded into the background. And today, I just want to invite you to, to bring that back to the forefront of your memory. I want you to think about how God has been at work in your life. I want you to think about, for, for some of you, what was it like when you first said yes to Jesus? What was it like when you began this, this journey of faith? Can, can you tap back into the excitement and the anticipation that you had? Maybe you could think about a particular person who has been there at a season in your life and, and, and because of their witness and their faith, again, maybe their story has faded in the background, but maybe you might bring that to the forefront of your memory today and you might just say, God, thank you for this person, for the way that they have been at work in my life. I'm going to read to you Psalm 103. And I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes and to reflect and think about your life and how God has been at work in your life. And together, I want to invite us just to remember how God has been at work in our lives. Let's pray together. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. 
for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Holy and loving God, we pause this day to give you thanks for the way in which you have been at work in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for being present with us in those seasons of celebration and in those seasons of struggle. Lord, we have been to the mountaintop with you and we have experienced you in the valley. Everywhere we have been, you have been there, walking with us, comforting us, sharing with us. We thank you, Lord, for your grace that we have experienced in so many different seasons of our lives. Help us, Lord, to remember that. When life is comfortable, when everything seems to be going our way, remember that, help us to remember that you are there and that you are the one who has brought us to such a wonderful place. God, teach us to practice devotion, to be those who would discipline our lives, to discipline ourselves, to daily turn back to you, to remember who we are, to remember where we have come from, and to always remember, Lord, who we belong to. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Before we uh, take our offering for today, uh, I'm going to share an announcement with you. This is is something that Pastor Mike is is sharing uh, at the end of uh, his message uh, at the 11 o'clock service. If you don't know, uh, Pastor Mike Ramsdale uh, uh, served as a senior pastor here for uh, 20 years up until last January when, we, uh, when Mike announced uh, a transition where uh, I became uh, the senior pastor and Mike uh, has been working on our staff the last year as one of our pastors continuing to lead in our uh, traditional services and in many other areas. Um, this is an email uh, that everyone in our church uh, will receive in 13 minutes. Um, uh, but I want you to, I want you to hear it uh, from me in the same way that, uh, that the uh, traditional service has had a chance to hear it from Mike. And I just ask for your grace as I share this with you. Uh, to the first family, our family. Almost 38 years ago, Rhonda and I were sitting together when I got the call that began our pastoral ministry. It was the call to serve a little church in Bangs, Texas, in what was then called the Brownwood District. It was from Jack Riley, the district superintendent. That call changed our lives as we loaded up our few possessions, put our two babies, two years old and six months, into the back seat of our Dodge Coronet and headed to Texas. A few years later, in Brown County Regional Hospital, our third baby would be born. Our great kids are all grown now and have blessed us with nine grandchildren, two great son-in-laws, and an equally great daughter-in-law. 
Friday, a week ago, Rhonda and I got another call from our bishop, Mike Lowry. It was a call to go back to that district, now larger, called the West District, to be the district superintendent. In this new role, I will now be making those calls to pastors, opening up opportunities and blessings to them, as well as serving more than 60 churches in an area hundreds of square miles. I will also serve in a broader way the entire Central Texas Conference as a member of the bishop's cabinet. It seems only fitting and a God thing that we will continue our full-time in ministry where we began it. This appointment will begin July 1st. I will continue to be one of your pastors till then. Rhonda and I both embrace this as a new adventure and challenge in ministry. After a tremendous amount of prayer, I had made myself available for the possibility of this role in ministry, believing the season had come where I might use what I have learned to help other pastors, churches, and the greater United Methodist Church. Having in recent years served as a church coach, having led a conference task force to redesign the Central Texas Conference more clearly around our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, as well as serving for many years on the conference board of ordained ministry, it seemed right to me to take what you have taught me and what I have learned in my life with you onto the greater church. In a very real way, you will go with me. There are several things that give me freedom to make this decision. I believe God is absolutely in it. My partner in ministry, Rhonda, and I made this decision together. Our bishop believes I am the right person to serve with him and his Christ-centered focus for the church. And I am convinced, our bishop is convinced, and the cabinet is convinced that our senior pastor, David Alexander, is God's man for the church during this season. Prepared by life, by faith, by God, by education, and by 11 years of experience here and with me. I am confident he will lead you as you have been led into ongoing and great growth in life and mission in this amazing and dynamic community. I know David in this role probably better than anyone. Not just what we see uh, in his excellent books and studies he has written, the great sermons he has preached, the letters he has written, the care he has given so many, and the Christ-centered vision he has presented. But as the Christian man, he is one who loves God and loves you and has chosen to accept a challenge few would want or could do. His work ethic is unquestioned, his faith is real, his call is from God, his vision is unparalleled, and his gifts are abundant. He could lead any church in the nation, and any large church in our denomination, if available, would choose him to lead them. But you have that privilege because he cares about you and this community, and has chosen to serve here. You are luckier than you may know. I leave confident in whose hands I leave the church. And now I share with you the words that will be on the Central Texas Conference website at noon today, the words I wrote about you. I will have served the people of and the community around Mansfield for 21 years and love the relationships we have built, the ministry we have done together, the worship we have shared, and the lives we have been privileged to interact with. God has been good to us here. I will always treasure these years, these friends, and how God has worked in and through our lives together. I can only be grateful and thankful to God for the honor I have had of leading with such a great church and with such a great people. I would not be who I am without the support, friendship, sacrifice, and prayers of the people of Mansfield. They have inspired, encouraged, taught, served, and blessed me. 
It has been plain awesome. Please join me in prayer for Pastor David, all our staff and leaders, one another, our community, and for me and Rhonda. We have and will be praying for you. Uh, Last Friday was uh, when Mike got this call, and uh, on the same uh, day, uh, I also received a call, so I've had about a week to experience the shock that I know you feel uh, right now. Uh, Mike asked me on Monday when we got back to the office um, how I was doing. (laughs) Are you okay, he said, and I said, I'm okay. I said, "Um, I've had 11 years. 11 years. I could not ask for anything more. I could not ask for anything more. But I said, I got to tell you something that you're not going to like to hear because Mike's not really a feeling kind of person. So he's really enjoying himself across the way right now as people flock to hug him and say, I love you. (laughs) I just said, Mike, I'm just going to miss you. That's what I'm feeling right now. I'm just going to miss you. And I know that's what you're feeling now as well. And so come back next week. We're going to talk more about what this means uh, for the life of our church. Um, I will say um, one of the things that has been encouraging for me in these last few days is something that my wife told me on that Friday afternoon when she came home and we were talking about this. And she said to me, this is, this is just the role she has in my life. She points me back to the better and brighter days. She said, David, he trusts you. He trusts you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for the gift of life. We we are so aware of how precious that gift is and how precious a gift it is to share our lives together. For the way in which our lives are so deeply enriched by the people who bless us, who share life with us, who, who care for us, who see in us things that we cannot see in ourselves. People who have a vision for what not only our individual future might be, but also what our future together might be. And who have the faith to, to help us step into that. Lord, we do this day give you thanks for Mike. We give you thanks for 21 years of faithfulness. And we give you thanks for these months ahead where we will each in our own way have our opportunity to express to him what that has meant to us. Pray, Lord, that you would bless him in that. And that with each word that is shared, uh, with each affirmation, that he hears, that he would also hear your voice, Lord, that he would know your heart, that he would sense your pride and your love for what he has done. Lord, we pray for our church. We know that you have a future in in preparing for us, and, and we want to be a part of that. And so bless us with wisdom as we move through these months and these days, and we step into that future that you have prepared for us. And now, Lord, we pray for this offering that we will receive. Thank you for the opportunity to give as others have so freely given to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.